Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Perpetual Chess. We are here with woman and international master Fiona Steele Anthony. I think a lot of you know her work from uh, her vlogs and her chess announcing. Thank you for joining us, Fiona. Thank you for having me, Ben. So what's new? You're, you're just be- back from travel, getting ready to travel again. Where are you headed tomorrow, Fiona? Absolutely. I'm headed to Sicily tomorrow, which is exciting. I've never been. I've been to Italy numerous times, uh, but never Sicily. I'm going to play a small tournament uh, called Erice. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. And will you be uh, recording some vlogs from there? I will, absolutely. I uh, I talked to Dan already, Dan, who most people will know as Anton Squared Me uh, from Twitter. If you don't follow him already, then do. Um, he's doing a fantastic job editing my vlogs, um, and I'm very thankful to him for that. So, yeah, we've been talking. There will be a two-part vlog from Eriche coming up. Excellent. Yeah, the, the legendary uh, Photoshop master, uh, Dan. Absolutely. Um, so does his uh his video editing seems very good but uh very serious does he ever inject any little like mock-ups of you in there i haven't seen all of your videos um does he go sorry go ahead well he's very creative and i love how i don't really need to ask he comes up with these funny uh edits in the vlogs and he's been doing he's been doing videos before for twitter but it's funny i only just found out a few days ago that the the first vlog he did for me was his first ever serious video editing job so i was absolutely amazed to hear that because i always thought of him as some sort of pro but um no all self-learned and very recent wow very impressive pretty impressive and who uh who picks the music in your vlogs i like the music he does. So all credit goes to him. Literally, all I do is uh, film the footage, send it all to him. And he is in charge of everything else. Uh, I totally trust him as well. And it's funny, in the early days, well, we're still in early vlog days. But at the beginning, um, I'd always check the vlog before it went up on YouTube. But these days, um, it's just a surprise for myself. He up- uploads them to my YouTube channel. And I discover the vlogs at the same time as everyone else that's funny yeah i can relate to that because with the podcast i i started out i like the very first couple because i had no clue what i was doing i listened to them before i released them but after that it just became too much work um so i i you know i make notes of stuff to edit out as i'm going but i often don't have time to listen again beforehand if i haven't made a note the the first time <laughs> yeah, so it's it's funny. I think a lot of people think that on something like this, there might be uh, more more behind the curtain than there actually is. 
Absolutely. But I mean, your your videos, you can't tell at all. I think I, I mentioned to you when we were we were chatting online a bit that it really, uh, really uh, makes me long for my days when I could travel more. Um, yeah, I think I always, um, I was always quite fond of vlogs. And it's a pity there aren't many of them around in the chess world. I think the chess bra... Uh, the chess prize was sort of when I first came across uh, the idea of a vlog. And then um, I was playing the final Forenciel this week, uh, this year, and I was talking to Robin van Kampen, one of the chess prize. And I was thinking, I should really be doing vlogs. I travel quite a lot. I enjoy all of the aspects of the vlogs. I enjoy sharing. And so uh, my first ever vlog was a Forenciel vlog. It just consisted of three parts, which was me uh, filming a conversation with uh, David Howell and Niels Grandelius, me filming maybe half a minute of footage uh, going to the playing hall, and then just me having a chat to my phone in a slightly tipsy state. <laughs> nice. So I just added those three together, and that was my first vlog. And then I got talking to them. And uh, he was suggesting some things I could improve. And then I was like, hold on, why don't I ask him if he would like to, to join me? And so ever since uh, vlog number two, things have improved drastically. Okay, well, I saw the first one and I didn't, I didn't notice. Uh, to me, it seemed fine. I mean, I think people, you know, people just want to catch a glimpse of a life. You know, they're, mm -hmm. not, they're not looking for like uh, amazing cinematography or anything like that. Although... Uh, Dan does do a good job. So um. Yeah, I, I try to always um, mix everything. Of course, I've done quite a few chess vlogs, but then I also did one now on my travels. Um, I'm going to stick mostly to chess, of course, but uh, I think people, yeah, they appreciate uh, getting to see what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm very lucky, of course, to be able to travel so much with, uh, with chess and to know quite a lot of people. So, for example, I got lucky... Um, at the, at the vlogs I did at the European Individual Championship in Minsk this year, uh, David Howell was one of the the main protagonists, and he was doing very well in the tournament. So those uh, vlogs were quite successful. Nice, yeah, yeah. It seems uh, seems like a nice little uh, close knit community that mm -hmm. that you're uh, in, embedded with there in um, in the English chess scene. But what's uh, what's chess like in Luxembourg? Chess in Luxembourg, if, I, if I'm totally honest, I am not too involved uh, in the chess scene here anymore because I just travel too much. I have moved back home now, so I live in Luxembourg, but live is a big, <laughs> big word. I maybe spend on average at most a week a month here. Um, but of course, I started out playing here. Um, my best friends are all from the chess world, from Luxembourg, and I enjoy coming back every now and then, playing a weekender if I happen to be home. Uh, there's also my club, of course, the Smashing Ponds, uh, which I was one of the co-founders of uh, back in 2010. So I'm still the vice president there, but um, yeah, don't really get too much time to do things in the Luxembourgish chess scene. And also... Uh, unfortunately, there isn't so much going on, it has to be said. There are a fair few weekend tournaments, but um, nothing big. Hopefully, someday. I like the name Smashing Pawns. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of... It was a big effort. It was a... I think we had a brainstorming uh, session down at the pub and then eventually came up with the name and we all liked it. And there you go. Nice. And Luxembourg's a pretty uh pretty small country, right? What's the general what's the population roughly of the it's only only half we recently crossed half a million miles. Okay. Now. Yeah, so very tiny. Yeah, so that uh that I'm sure limits the amount of uh chess activity that's possible, like yeah, with, also, within your country. Yeah, and also there isn't uh so much of a chess tradition, I would say, unlike other other countries. So how did you get into chess? I think like almost everyone uh, through my dad, but uh, it was funny. It wasn't him who wanted to teach me. My dad, he's a an amateur chess player. He still plays. He almost plays more than me nowadays. He has a rating of about 1,650, uh, but he's always been very fond of chess. He took it up quite late, maybe when he was uh, around 40, and he used to play at home quite a bit. Either friends would come over or he would just sit and study from a book. 
And I got interested. I would uh, watch him play. And then eventually I went up to him and asked him if he could teach me. And then a few months after he first taught me how to play, we went to a tournament, not for me to play, but I just went to see a friend of mine compete at the tournament. And I hated it. Huh. <laughs> I, absolutely, I, I hated the, the fact that people could watch you while you played. I liked playing in the comfort of my own home. Uh-huh. And I remember when I was at the tournament, uh, when we went home, I told my dad, I am never going to play a chess tournament in my life. <laughs> and then uh, I think a few months later, my friend per- managed to persuade me. So I played my first tournament and then the rest is history, as they say. Nice. And how, how old were you? I think I was 10 at the time. This was in 1999. Okay. And I know your, your brother has made a cameo or two on your vlog. Does he play chess at all? He used to play chess. I think he was actually a, a lot more talented than me. Um, but he, he quit when he was only 13. He's more of a sports guy, didn't have the patience. And then, um, yeah, he gave up at a very young age. Usually it's the, the girl who quits at 13 and the boy who sticks with it. But your, your family's <laughs> the reverse. Yeah, we're different. Uh, it's it's funny. I never even thought of that. But yeah, he he preferred. He did pretty much everything else. Played football, basketball, tennis, and chess. Um, after he gave up, I think he didn't touch a chessboard for for two years. And then we were on a family holiday. Uh, two three years later, and there was a chessboard in the lobby. So he was like, "Oh, how about we play a game?" And he beat me. So <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you can uh, you can get revenge now. Yeah, I should be able to <laughs> challenge him every time you see him. <laughs> um, so you're headed to Sicily. How uh, have you seen the Godfather movies? I haven't. Oh um, wow! I know this is embarrassing. I'm not big on movies. Every time I'm, I, I haven't seen many of my classics, but maybe I should add that to my to-do list for while I'm there. Yeah, I mean, I think myself and a lot of listeners who haven't been to Sicily there, I mean, there's just these beautiful images of like the sweeping, you know, uh, vistas. So, I mean, in addition to it being just amazing storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not much of an old movie guy myself, but The Godfather 1 and 2 are uh, worth seeing. Although if you're leaving tomorrow, I guess it'll have to wait till uh, after the trip. I, mean, I, could watch, I could watch them over there, which would probably make for good. Yeah. Good and when does the... So we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, of course, I don't know the date. I think it's the 25th. And this, the 25th. Will, <laughs> and this, will, come, this will come out next week. Um, so when does the tournament actually start? Uh, the ter- I think the first round is on Friday. So three days from now. Nice. So I could- I could watch the first part tomorrow. Yeah, you could also actually just see the country too, though. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <laughs> a, do you have any plans while you're there? Um, I'm I'm staying around. Well, I'm I'm leaving two days early, and I'm also sticking around three day for three days after afterwards. So I'm going to be staying in Palermo, uh, where I'm flying into, and I I heard a lot of nice things about the city. So I like that. I usually I prefer if I have enough time to either come early or stay a bit afterwards, because uh, I find it very hard to get um, a lot of sightseeing done during the tournament, because I'm not much of a morning person. Uh, So if you spend your morning sleeping, it's very hard. (laughs) Yeah, much done besides the chest yeah and it can be distracting i mean you know you could force yourself to go somewhere but like are you really going to appreciate it if you're just like fixating on the last night's round or about what exactly. you know what yes. opening they're going to play and stuff like that uh, i think that's the way to go if you can pull it off yeah exactly i, I think this turn this particular tournament i think there may be a couple of organized excursions and I, I have a friend who played there in the past who told me to do them so if they don't start too early in the morning i might do that okay um so is this an open tournament it is an open tournament i'm not even sure how many pe- i don't think it's a big open maybe 40 50 players oh wow it's not, uh, not particularly strong either but I, i've been um looking at the tournament for, for a while and then the organizer kindly invited me so i thought this is a nice tournament to mix chess and also a bit of sun and 
exciting. Yeah, sounds good to me. So Fiona, we've had obviously a wide range of guests. Some um, like yourself do some chess announcing and uh, some do a lot of playing, some do teaching, etc. But I do feel like you're one of the guests who probably plays more chess than, than, uh, than some of our others. So What's going on with your chess right now? Like, like, uh, how are you playing, and what are your near-term goals and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a long story because it's really been very uh, up and down. I used to play an awful lot. I would say I used to play too much, uh, probably before I started getting these commentary jobs. So, up until 2014. Uh, when it, uh, which is when it all started. I think between maybe 2008 and 2014, I used to average 100 games of classical time control uh, games a year. So 100 games, that's quite a lot, considering I was going to, to high school and later to, to uni at the same time. And I was playing a lot, but I wasn't making any progress, which is why... I got frustrated eventually and looked for something else. Luckily, the the commentary thing came up. And um, then after I started uh, doing the commentary, I basically pretty much stopped playing chess. And in fact, this tournament I'm going to tomorrow, I think it's my first open tournament that isn't like the Olympiad or the European individual uh, since the summer of 2014. (laughs) So it's been a while uh, since my last normal open tournament but uh, nowadays I'm getting more some motivation back again Um, I recently well on the 1st of July for the first time I finally had a published rating of 2200 I know it isn't a very high rating but it was such a personal I think it was almost a psychological barrier for me because on the 1st January 2010, so this is seven and a half years ago, I had a published rating of 2198, but I could never get (laughs) to the bloody 2200. (laughs) Uh, I had a virtual rating of 2230 in the summer of 2010, but then I somehow, I played a tournament in Norway, I lost to all these youngsters, Uh, one of them was Arian Tari, who at the time was only, I think, 18 or 1900, Um, and then moved to Norway, played some tournaments there, lost all my rating, dropped back under 2100. Uh, so yeah, it's been a it's been a long story. But nowadays, um, especially lately, it's been going quite well. In May and June, I gained uh, almost 80 rating points playing in the French league and uh, in the European individual and men's. So I hope I can carry that form to Italy. And my next goal, of course, would be to uh, get the woman GM. That's great. Well, congratulations on the recent um, good performance. Thank you. So what what have you changed? Like, is there something you can isolate as like the factor that that helped you uh, make a jump? Well, I think one of the things is I I experimented more with openings. I, one of, of course, one of the reasons I didn't make progress is because I didn't work on my chest. There's no secret um, to how to make progress, of course. But uh, I think one of the problems when I was playing a lot, I would always play the same openings. And I think I didn't uh, really enjoy playing chess anymore because I'd always play the same positions and um, nothing would change. So nowadays... I don't work much on my chess when I'm at home, but when I'm at tournaments, I try to prepare something different uh, almost for every game. And I get a lot of pleasure out of playing new positions and trying to learn something new, even if I don't usually remember it for long. But that's been one part, uh, just trying to have more fun. And then as the results were improving, I think it's also chess has so much to do with confidence. And uh, I think my confidence had dropped at an all-time low over the last uh, few years. And when I was playing in France and in Minsk, I was just uh, feeling like I could beat the stronger players again. I I beat a couple of uh, IMs and, yeah, just that newfound confidence, uh, I think, made the biggest difference. Nice. And you, you've mentioned you're friends with a lot of strong players and, you know, spend a lot of time with them. So do you pick their brains much? 
Well, I I used to play uh, a lot of tournaments uh, with my ex-boyfriend and we're still close friends. So we we were uh, in Minsk together. He was also, he's also my teammate in the French league and in the English league. And he helped me a lot because um, I think I, I just, I lacked the knowledge of, I wanted to play something new, but I didn't know what to look for. So he would give me ideas of um, just players or openings, uh, and he would have the knowledge to go with it, uh, to tell me what to look for, which player, which games to look at. So that is, of course, very helpful. And then other friends have helped me as well. And just, I think, what I need more than someone to hold my hand and do it is just someone to give me ideas and of what to play. And my friends have been great. Nice. Um, do you feel like openings are, are that important, like other than psychologically? I, I would like I would like for them not to be that important. But nowadays, when everyone is so prepared um there's a lot of games of me in the database. So I know that most of the time my opponents will come prepared. And um, that is why, also why I like to, to mix things up because I would prefer to play a game rather than a, than a preparation battle. But I think that's just the way it is. If, if you get caught out in the opening, it isn't much fun defending a, a worse position for the rest uh, of the game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. But I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not as active as you. I, I try to play a little bit and our ratings are, are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found in, in my games is the openings themselves aren't like, I'm still bad enough at chess where the openings are overrated, I think, like relative to, to how they're perceived because of how important they are at people who play better than me's mm-hmm. level. But what I have noticed is if I don't know the opening, it leads to me getting in time trouble. And mm-hmm. and that's where it really hurts me because I waste time trying to figure out things that if I just knew them, uh, I could use that time for more important moments in the game. Yeah, there's that. I couldn't agree more. So there's a lot of things. But yeah, I agree that overall, I think on our level, openings is probably not the most important part of the game. But still, it can't hurt to have some sort of idea of what's going on in the early stages. Yeah, for sure. So what do you need to get the WGM title? Well, I need to get uh, to 2300 and then the three norms. Um, I don't have any at the moment. I think the last time I came close, I came within half a point of scoring a norm was back in 2008. Um, so it's about time I I embarked on that new, <laughs> new adventure. Yeah. So and for the norms, um, uh, I know you need so you need like a 2300 performance. Is that right? In I think given term? probably 2350. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might be 2350. Okay. Yeah. So basically just put in the work and get better at chess and don't fixate, exactly. don't fixate yeah, on that. I, I, I think now that the 20, I think the 2200 thing was such a, a dent in my, in my play for a long time, because every time I came close, it wasn't even that I was consciously thinking of it, but every time I came close, I had a disaster tournament. So I think now I got that out of the way. Hopefully I can play with a liberated mind. And I'm not fixating on the woman GM title. I think if I do put in the work and, and I really want to, um, I think the results should hopefully follow. Okay. And what's your your philosophy generally about woman titles? Are you in favor of them? I to be honest, most of the time I just try to keep out of all of these discussions because I've never really given it that much thought. Um also the entire debate about sexism and chess. I've never really felt marginalized or being made fun of i i've always felt very at ease in the chess world and made welcome so um i wouldn't mind either way i think uh women players overall the the titles help them in many ways but um if they wanted to experiment maybe it would uh it would be beneficial for for women chess so I have an open mind when it comes to that. Um, I think the titles are fine, but if they wanted to get rid of them, that would also be okay with me. 
Okay, seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't have a strong opinion about the the titles in particular either. It seems like the women's events are a good thing to have, mm-hmm. um, but the titles uh, I think could go either way. Um, so, what's after Sicily? After Sicily, I have a, a busy month of August, just uh, going away for a few weekends. I'm going um, to my old home to, uh, to my old. Uh, well, how did not hometown? I used to live in Hamburg. So I'm going to Hamburg for a weekend. Um, I still have some stuff there, so I need to pick that up. I'm going to Oslo to see some chess friends the next weekend. And then the final weekend of August, I'm going to Agen, where the French championship is taking place. So I will be a spectator there, maybe do a bit of commentary and, of course, film another vlog. Sorry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've never been to a French championship, so that should be good. I am half, my mother is actually French, so I have a lot of friends there. Uh, that should be a fun weekend. Then I'm going to Corsica to to detox and to get ready for um, for the Isle of Man tournament, which I think is my biggest job of the year. Uh, I will be commentating there in at the end of September with Simon Williams. And it's a big, big challenge because it is going to be the strongest open tournament of the year, maybe of all times. Uh, the players list is incredible. Everyone is playing from the American powerhouse, uh, Nakamura, Kawana. So Kramnik is playing, Anand is playing, MVL. I mean, pretty much everyone is playing. So commentating on that is going to be a, a massive challenge, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Nice. Well, I know people in, enjoy your commentary, so hopefully you're not like uh, too too hard on on yourself on any uh, missteps or anything like that. Well, I'm usually. I think usually what happens is uh, that when Simon and I commentate together, we aren't the strongest uh, commentators pair, but uh, I think we really enjoy it. And Simon and I just click. We've been friends for a long time, and I think hopefully, I think that comes through um, to the people, and they understand we're having fun. And hopefully that makes uh, the show more fun for them as well. And then, of course, people who have seen our shows know that it's not just chess, chess, chess all the time. Of course, we try to to explain what's going on in the games as well. But there are a fair few anecdotes and story and getting back to people in the chat, answer their questions. So uh, it's all a very interactive experience. And I think we really enjoy what we do. And hopefully people enjoy it as well. Yeah, I think they do. And, you you know, the games are so long, first of all. Mm-hmm. So that that alone means, like, in order for someone to sit there and watch it, I think that they're going to want to to hear more than just, like, the analysis. And the other thing is, of course, the, the engines are there in front of people if they need them. Um, so I think it's better to get the human perspective from, yeah. from you guys. And, you know, if you yeah. want the hardcore analysis, you know how well, to... Well, it, it has to be said, Simon and I, we never use an engine. So... Um, I think, I mean, that is better because if we had, I think what tends to happen, I have uh, commentated with engines before, but I tend to just switch off my brain and just look at the engine. And it's very, I find it very hard, uh, especially at my amateur level to to figure out what's going on in a position if I just see the engine line, because I don't really think of the hows and whys uh, while if you if you don't use an engine from the start you're much more involved in the game and you've been trying to to understand what is actually going on rather than just looking at moves uh, which which is strange so um, yeah I mean it's I think it's a good thing we don't use engines and people appreciate that but it's also very challenging commentating on the likes of uh, Anand and Kramnik without <laughs> without an engine but fingers crossed we'll manage somehow yeah I, I'm I'm with you though I mean I, I wasn't saying that I thought you guys should use engines I was saying like people who are watching they can <laughs> yeah, look at yeah. they can look at the engine if they need to and and I generally agree I think it makes for better commentating although the way they do it in St. Louis where they like they cut to Maurice and uh, mm-hmm. uh you know and he is able to give sort of the engine perspective and then they cut back to uh to Jen and Yasser and uh they just talk without using the yeah. engine I think that's probably ideal, but uh, unfortunately, not everyone has the the financial means of of um, the St. Louis Chess Club. Yeah. But I think if you can afford to do that, that's of course brilliant. And they have a fantastic team, and I, I really enjoy watching their shows. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's uh, we're we're lucky to have them. Um, okay, so so you're working on your chess, and what is the Isle of Man your next announcing gig? That is uh, correct. Yes, yes. Okay, and uh, getting back to um to the vlogs for a second. So you're friends with a lot of players who uh are working hard to improve at chess, like uh, Niels Grandelis and David Howell, who you mentioned. Um, so if they're there, you know, grinding away at the tournament, do you ever get like, uh, objections to you taking videos? Um, not really. I think, uh, because I'm a player myself, I know, um, what I can do and what I can't. I would never, I think, um, also filming is a lot less problematic than taking photos because filming, I, at the moment I just film uh, using my phone, so there's no sound. Uh, it's not very, it's not disturbing. Also, I've never really, because I just started out with the vlog a few months ago, I've never filmed at a late stage uh, of an actual game. But I think if I did, I think what happens most of the time, also from my experience as a player, is they wouldn't even notice me, I think. Um, especially in the later stages of the game, there would be so many people around anyway, and um, the players tend to be so focused on their game that I think they barely notice what's going on around them, and I wouldn't intrude <laughs> or okay. get too close to them anyway. Nice, and uh, I know that I've noticed in your videos that a lot of um, you know a lot of it seems to be sort of unwinding after rounds, uh, uh, eating dinner, drinking wine, relaxing. And I think that, that that's appealing to a lot of the viewers. So I'm just curious, like, how much, like, you know, when you're at these tournaments, how, how much fun is had at night in between rounds uh, with uh, with the competitors, with your friends who are also playing in the tournament? Well, in my experience, uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> nice. A, a lot of fun. But when I say fun, it doesn't have to be crazy. But, uh, for example, in, in Minsk, uh, which we were all taking quite seriously, it would just be uh, the case of David would come to our room every night, and we wouldn't we wouldn't drink much. We I don't think we ever went out except to watch the Champions League final. But we just have dinner and then look at some chess together in the room, or look at some movies, or just you know have a chat, uh, hang out. So it doesn't always have to. Of course, there are also the occasional night out or uh, nights out on other tournaments, but um, it's just a very uh sociable experience and um i like seeing my friends and um i think we always enjoy uh spending time together especially with people like david like niels who who i wouldn't say are just just friends but they they are close friends so it's great to to get to catch up when when we meet nice and do you guys like uh coordinate uh which tournaments you're going to and stuff like that uh, not usually, um, but especially with David, it was funny. I think it was in twenty. When was twenty fifteen? <laughs> I think we saw each other for pretty much. Uh, n- we saw each other pretty much nonstop from from September until the end of December for three or four months because he played all these tournaments I was uh, working at. There was the European Team Championship, the London Chess Classic, the Qatar Masters. Um, So with these guys like David and Niels, they play a lot. And the tournaments I tend to work at uh, are usually the big tournaments because they are the ones who can afford to hire a press officer, a commentator. So although we don't coordinate, it tends to just work out that we see each other quite a lot. Nice. Um, and do you do any chess teaching, Fiona? Not at all. Chess teaching is one of the the aspects of chess I haven't touched uh, upon at all. Um, I've never really tried, but it's also it's never really appealed to me. Um, so maybe if the opportunity, I, I've been talking to a friend very recently, actually, of uh, doing a one day camp with some children in England. So I'd have to see how enjoy the experience. But teaching is not. In my immediate plans. Okay, I'm surprised. I feel like uh, most most players, um, as well known as you, like just just kind of by accident end up doing some teaching. Yeah, one of the things uh, that isn't really teaching, but one of the things I do want to do in the near future is um, my YouTube channel, which I only just started. I think 
less than a year ago. Um, recently, I gave that some thought, uh, how can I improve it? And I came to the, the realization that my YouTube channel at the moment is all fun, fun, fun. There's a lot of uh, entertainment content. There's the vlogs. There's the streams I do. And I realize it's lacking uh, the educational part. So I think one of the things I want to add in the very near future, uh, in the very near future, is to analyze maybe some of my games or go through other players' games. But yeah, add some uh, educational content yeah i think that's a good idea and your own games in particular you know it gives people a connection because uh we all we all have the experience of um not just like playing the moves but living through the emotions of a game and that's something that no matter what level a player is at they they can relate to like they can relate to like hearing what the voice inside your head was saying in addition to just hearing what your calculation was because that exactly. as you mentioned earlier the psychological aspect of chess is just yeah. so strong yeah well i've been doing it a bit for so the chess vlogs i done for tournaments i played uh, i gave a brief one to two minutes recap of my uh, game of the day but then that's not enough and I always have to film them a few times because I tend to, when I film the first time, to just for the video to be too long. So I uh, I need to restrict myself. But that's what I uh, why I was thinking. I'd really enjoy doing that, and I think it would be beneficial for me as well to um, to if I explain to someone else. Uh, what I was thinking during the game and what went well, what didn't go so well. I think that would also uh, help me improve as I did it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned the Champions League, and I know I also saw you mention online that you're uh, a football fan. So what what are you, what are your teams? Well, I only have one team. You should only ever really have one team. Uh, so I support uh, support Liverpool FC. Uh, I've been to Anfield once. I'd love to go back. I don't know how it came about that I started supporting them, but. Uh, for the people out there, I did start supporting them before they won the Champions League in 2005. And then for national teams, I've always been a France supporter, seeing as I'm half French. And Luxembourg uh, football team, they're improving nowadays, but they're never part of the big competition. So when I was young, I chose France as my team, and that's the way it still is. Okay. And how, uh, like, are you watching every Liverpool game or you just try to catch it when you can? I'm sure you have some tournament conflicts and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, of course, because they, they play at weekends and weekends are usually the busiest times for chess players. But uh, I try to watch as much as I can. Um, when I was young, I actually, I followed a lot more football. When I was a child, I would follow uh, the Bundesliga, I would follow the French League, I would follow the Italian League. Nowadays, I just uh, focus my attention on the, the Premier League. I, I watch as many games as I, as I can. I watch Match of the Day. Um, I also watch the Champions League games. So I still watch quite a fair bit. Um, even if I'm traveling, it, I will watch it on my laptop. But I really miss um, watching the games in England. I, I used to live uh, in London, I went to university there, and uh, there is just this football cu culture which is amazing. Just go down the pub, um, have a burger, a veggie burger in my case, and watch the football down the pub. It's just from an atmosphere point of view, you don't get that experience here so much. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like fun. Okay, so Fiona, you mentioned that you lived in London, and I'm trying to keep track here in my head as you as we go. So you've you've lived in London, Oslo, Hamburg. You're in Luxembourg. Am I missing any place? Uh, I I lived in, in Strasbourg for a short while as well. So after I, I uh, finished high school here in Luxembourg, I first went to study in Strasbourg for a year. Uh, then I decided what I was doing wasn't exactly for me. So I decided to take a year off, move to Norway. Actually, I didn't live in Oslo. I lived in, uh, in Stavanger uh, with a couple of chess friends. Then after that year in Stavanger, I realized I wanted to go back to uni. Um, I found this events management course in uh, in London, which really spoke to me. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up in London. I did my three-year degree there. After that, moved to Hamburg for a year where I worked for Chess24. And then I've been back home since the start of the year. Okay. So events management, um, how did you... How did you enjoy studying that? 
I enjoyed it, but um, I think I've, I realized very early on that um, I was doing it mostly just to have a degree. Uh, I always knew that I would like to work in the chess world if I could. Um, chess has always been my one big passion, and I've been extremely fortunate to be able to make a living from it. But uh, it was, of course, it was great uh, going to university, especially in a city like London. Um, I enjoyed the course, but it wasn't a very, uh, it wasn't a very practical. Uh, I studied uh, events management, and in the three years I was there, I never put on an event. Um, so that was a bit a bit weird. I'm not sure I would do a much better job of organizing an event now than I would have before to absolving a three year course. But still, it it was a an exper a great experience. And um, well, you can organize a, a gathering to watch Liverpool. <laughs> at a pub i'm sure yeah, could do that <laughs> sure you organize uh, some low-key events <laughs> i should be i think the only thing i've ever organized uh the only event was the 18th birthday party of my brother but that was a big success so. okay well there you go um so I, I often ask my guests fiona if they've worked outside of chess have you have you had jobs outside of chess I've had a, a couple, no big ja uh, jobs, but uh, after, before going to university, I, I worked here in my hometown at the cultural service. So I was, uh, it wasn't a big job, but I was surveying some exhibitions, um, letting people in, explaining things to them if need be. And then when I was in, um, when I was in Norway, I actually did some babysitting <laughs> to. Okay. Uh, to earn some money so that was a very interesting very interesting experience uh, the kids were young but they were lovely they spoke some english so yeah that was my two experiences outside the chess world okay but looking to to stay firmly in the chess world for for the foreseeable yeah, future <laughs> nice um so uh, our guests always want to hear fiona about chess improvement so what has been your path to your current level? Like, were you like a book person or learn by doing or a little bit of both? Is there anything like formative in your development that you remember like really clicking? Well, I think for me, um, the answer is very simple. I was extremely lucky uh, shortly after I started playing. Uh, it wasn't long until I made it to the national Luxembourgish team just because there were so few girls playing. And there I was very uh, lucky to work with Grandmaster Vlastimil Jansa, a Czech Grandmaster who is also the coach of uh, David Navarra. And he has basically taught me everything um, I know. I never had to, I never really had to work with books because he was uh, basically a walking encyclopedia. So um, I worked with him from the moment I was 11 until... I think until 2010, which is when I think he stopped working for the, the Luxembourgish team. And yeah, that was always hugely, hugely uh, instructive. And I remember just being so impressed uh, as a child when I worked with him because he had this incredible knowledge and he was one of the best uh, players at his time. So whenever I asked him a question about an opening, he wouldn't need to use a, a computer or a book because he just sort of knew everything. And um, that was fantastic. And I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am now, although it's not very far. But um, considering I've never really put in much work of myself, uh, he was the person who got me where I am. Nice. And was this uh, underwritten by like the Luxembourg Chess Federation uh, or like how? Yeah, so he would come, he would come to Luxembourg. We didn't uh, work together on a very regular basis, but he would come to Luxembourg may maybe every three or four months. And uh, then I would work with him at those uh, youth tournaments. Uh, I've played in the world youth and European youth a fair few times and the Olympiads, of course. So I, I've always worked that way, basically, that I would put in more work at the tournament, not so much in between, but um, having him there 
was uh, incredible and uh, it was a huge honor and pleasure for me to ever be able to to work with him and he continues up to this day to to coach David Navarro so not just a great chess coach but a fantastic person nice and so you mentioned he had sort of an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, openings what else did he do like what was his teaching approach with you well, when we were, we did a lot of things, um, we looked at endings, uh, we would look at positions. The, there was just, I think it was mostly at tournaments, it was um, openings as as it is. and But also, I think, uh, analyzing your games. Because nowadays, I, I mostly, if I'm on my own, I will just analyze them with the computer. And that's one of the things I have been thinking. I should really look at them if I want to make progress and maybe make some notes uh, before I go through it with an engine. But uh, back in my younger days, uh, being able to go through the game with him and without the, the engine perspective, that was that also uh, taught me a lot to be able to get his thoughts and also to explain my thoughts as to why I played a certain move. Uh, so yeah, just the whole experience of him being there through a tournament and then working on other aspects in between. Okay. Um, maybe for your, your video uh, recordings of game analysis, what you could do is do one right away where you don't look at an engine and then record a separate video where you do. I like that idea. I'll keep that in mind. I'll make a note. Because I, uh, I, I fall victim to the same thing. I, I mean, I, I don't get to play that often. And when I do, it's like it's a big, you know, since I have kids and i'm working it's like the playing itself is a big mm-hmm. uh big commitment of time uh for me to set aside so while i would love to analyze the games uh in great detail that mm-hmm. is an extra chunk of time that i may not have so of course i just turn the engine on and look at it but yeah that doesn't you know to the extent that you're trying to address psychological sort of uh weaknesses mm-hmm. uh, um that doesn't do anything for it like you know, that might show you something you missed, but like you have to get at the root of why you missed it. And if you're not recording the thought process that that um, generated the thought, it, it's kind of hard to change your behavior. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll try that and my tournament in Italy. Excellent. Yeah, I, w- I would like to do it myself if I were able. But uh, <laughs> yeah, not not happening anytime soon, I don't think. Um, so what's so. I only have a couple more questions for you, Fiona. You, you strike me as one of the the more well-traveled guests that I've had here, at, at definitely at least when it comes to Europe. So what are your favorite places that you've been, especially if there's like a, a chess tournament that listeners could, could go to that was particularly uh, fun? Well, I'm not going to be very original. Uh, I know that my friend Simon Williams already gave the same answer, but if I only had to recommend... Uh, one place it would be Reykjavik and Iceland as a whole Um, I think I've been eight or nine times myself now and uh, the tournament is just amazing I mean you won't find a playing hall like that almost anywhere else the Harpa concert hall it's just a very impressive building and then I think also, as Simon said, it's also it's just about the people. Uh, they are crazy. <laughs> they are absolutely yeah. crazy, but they are lovely people. You will feel very welcome. The weather tends not to be great, but uh, the people make up for the weather, for the cold weather, because they are extremely warm, extremely funny. And yeah, the tournament, I would highly recommend that. Another one, of course, well, I work there, but it's also a fantastic tournament. It's uh, the Isle of Man tournament a younger tournament only in in its uh, fifth edition this year i think uh but that's tough to get into i think the main tournament has sold out uh, because there is a limited number of players but if you get the chance next year uh again isle of man it's a lovely it's a smaller place although it's one of the strongest tournaments uh it feels very cozy there's a close-knit community and when do you ever get the chance to playing the same tournament as kramnik anand Nakamura, MVL, etc., etc. So uh, that's another one I would re- definitely recommend. And then outside of Europe, I've never played chess there. Well, only on the streets. Uh, I think one of my favorite places is uh, Indonesia. 
I've traveled there twice now and every time I've been I made friends just by playing chess on the street and that was such a a fantastic experience. I was there just this January and I went to this uh, small village somewhere up in Sumatra and people barely spoke any English but the fact we had chess in common broke down all these language barriers and it was just a a unique experience. I spent almost all my evenings there playing chess with them. They took me to their local chess club, which was basically just a, a shed. And uh, it was really a fantastic experience. And before I forget, of course, the last plug, uh, do play in Corsica. I've just come back from there now. The latest vlog, if you haven't seen it, do check it out. I think you will understand what I mean. I won't need to plug it much more once you've seen the, the vlog. Uh, this is a tournament that takes place every summer. It's called Porticcio Open. And it's if you're looking for a holiday tournament, it's just perfect. It's right on the beach. The tournament is fairly strong. Uh, again, the organizers go out of their way to make you feel as welcome as they can. And there's a lot of fun side activities. If you see the vlog on the last night, there was singing, there was dancing. Some of the grandmasters, you've seen, you will see them in a way you haven't seen them before. Excellent. That's what, that's what the people want for sure. That, that sounds, <laughs> yeah. like, sounds like fun to me. Um, okay. Well, Fiona, do you, do you have uh, anything else you would like to talk about before, um, before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. Maybe um, if people if people want to support me or if they want to see what I'm doing, I've started uh, streaming on Twitch a bit more regularly now, which is still a fairly new experience to me. But uh, you can check out my Twitch channel. And, and I'm trying to, as I say, grow my YouTube as well. And um, I think I'm, I'm really lucky to have a, a great community. So the Twitch shows, they're not just about me, but people in the chat... Um, there are always interesting discussions and people are very nice and everyone is very passionate about chess. So uh, if you're looking for some fun um, chess evenings or make some friends, there are usually people from all over the world watching. So you could check that out. Excellent. And is there, if people want to like uh, reach you, is there a preferred social media um, way to reach out? Well, they can reach out to me uh, via Facebook, via Twitter. I've also joined Instagram at last, but I think uh, Facebook and Twitter are the two easiest ones to get hold of me. Okay, so I will link to those in the show description. Um, good luck good luck in Sicily, Fiona. Great, we'll, uh, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll be rooting for you and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to Perpetual Chess. To hear more episodes, give feedback, or suggest guests, go to perpetualchesspod.com. If you like the show, please help me out by telling your friends and giving me a high rating on iTunes. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.